Well, hello. Welcome to Midlife State of Mind, the show for that middle section of your life, the one that comes after you've raised yourself, your kids, and the rim on your rose-colored glasses. I'm your host, Erin Beadle. And I'm your host, Alicia Jessness, and we're so excited for you to join us as we talk about all the weird and wonderful ways things change as you navigate midlife, the state of mind, that is. Welcome back, everybody, to Midlife State of Mind. I am your host, Alicia Jessness. And I am your host, Erin Beadle. So today we have a really exciting episode. We are going to be talking to Katie Braswell about what we put in our bodies. Food is fuel. Food is medicine. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be pretty, pretty interesting. She's going to call in here in just a minute. So um, what has been going on with you this week, Erin? Well, I have literally been sweltering. Oh my God, it's like, like a by thousand the time people are listening degrees. to this, we're hoping that maybe the temperature has dropped a bit because it's literally been, I think, 97 degrees. Heat index here. Degrees. Yesterday was 105. It's bananas. It's like you just walk outside and it's like you're walking in jello. The humidity is crazy. It's bananas. Mm-hmm. I, I, we, we live in the South. We um, do. And so if you. If you're listening, hey, guess what? We have a listener in France. Um, I was looking at our stats. <laughs> I'm the stats gal, and um, I'm like, wee oui, wee. Oui. Hey, I, won- <laughs> I wonder if it, it – I can can we see what city it's in? It doesn't tell us, no, because your mom's a friend. Uh, she is, and I wonder if it's like any of our new fam over there in Toulouse. Um, Yeah, so – Yeah, I, just, I thought that was really cool because I love me some French. Some French people and some France. Absolutely. <laughs> Fancy pants, man. Francy pants. <laughs> yeah. So we were we were working through how to record through the phone. This is something we're we're still figuring out. It's but, new. Um, it's yeah. new. It's new. And talking but about we're always down for something new, aren't we? Oh my god, yes. Never too old. Never too old yeah. to learn new things, new tricks. Um yeah. Yeah. so we we're talking about home phones and <laughs> just yeah, how long? So I'm gonna go ahead and just tell you guys, I still have a home phone. She does, um, and I, I, I do not ever want to give it up. In fact, when because that's what we were working through for Alicia to put her phone on silent, you know, do not disturb or airplane, but you know, we have to have it on to be able to record. And um, and I said, oh, I always have my phone on silent because um, you know, I have a home phone. So if my kids, my kids or my immediate family needs me. They can call me on my home phone. They know. And I know that if it was to ring, you know, late at night, it's an emergency, you know? Right. right. Um, and we're going to be, we, we talked about um, last episode about how I'm going to be moving. Are you going to keep it? And I think I am. Does yeah. that make me old? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, I think it makes me about 90, like, um, you know, cause. I remember when my dad, he's passed away now, but we, when we first got him a cell phone, they were flip phones. And, um, and then we tried to get him a smartphone. Right. And it, it just, but my dad never even knew how to use the programs. Like we programmed, like my parents had been divorced since I was like 25, but my mom helped take care of him. Um, she's like mother Teresa, but, um, so we, we programmed like my mom number in there, all the kids numbers, 
Um, and he still could not use it. He would have to like dial our number, you know, like put in the. You know, so he couldn't that, figure that, out that. how to use the pre-programmed stuff. No, no, yeah. no. And we tried to teach him. So we finally um, were like, um, can we just, you know, like, we don't need the smartphone. We just need the regular old dome phone that just like a little makes flip phone flow. calls. And, yeah. Cause, yeah. And, but those are hard to find. I mean, he's been gone now for three years, but. They are hard to find, though. You know, we. Yes. <laughs> That this Except is if you get like that track phone or something. So buy. I don't even know if you can buy those for that. Cause here, here, let me tell you how I know this is because a while back we were having some, some issues with one of our children and we decided to ground her from basically the outside world because she just was not mm-hmm. doing what she was supposed to do. And sometimes, you know, you just have to remove all distractions. So I don't like, I, I know it's crazy. I know we grew up in the 80s and 90s and didn't even have cell phones till we were like 18, 19, 20 years old. But I actually. Well, I was 30, sister. Right. Okay. okay. But I hate the idea of my children not of having her being without. a phone. I did. And so I was like, all right, we'll just get her a flip phone. We'll, you know, we'll make sure it's an AT&T phone and we'll just put her on our plan. Except we could not find anywhere a flip phone yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy that nobody has them anymore. Um, and it's like, you know, and I hate the term like smartphone versus like dumb phone, but you're right. like, I just need a phone that makes and receives calls. That's it. That's it. Who is and, it? I mean, There's I a famous person. It's um, Ed Sheeran, I think, went back to a flip phone. Yeah, I think it. Um, he decided, I don't know, a a year or so into his career that it was a complete distraction to have a smartphone. And so he somehow worked it out in his millions of dollars or whatever. Well, he could probably just build one. What, yeah. Have somebody build him one. That he just wanted to have a flip phone and that was it. And it was only going to be for communication with friends and family. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And he's, it, as far as I know, he still only he has, has a flip phone. One. Yeah. I don't know. You guys can Google that and let us know. Um, that's interesting. Well, it's so funny because I um, had binged in this new, well, new to me show. Um, and I don't even remember what streaming service, maybe Peacock, maybe, oh, maybe, oh, it's HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And it's called Hacks and um, it's with, um, golly, what is her name? She's from Designing Women. Mm-hmm. Delta Burke. Um, is that no, the Blonde. I don't remember her name. Chris, Christine. Oh, uh, no. I'm going to have to Google it. Uh, I can see her face. Um, that's going to bug me. I can't remember, but she's a comedian. She's a stand-up comedian. She she is 70 now and looks amazing. Does not look like she's had any work done, by okay. the way. Annie Potts, Julia Duffy. Not sure. Oh, God. No, maybe she was one of the funny women. So well, the originals were Delta Burke, um, Alice okay. Ghostly, Julia Duffy, and Annie Potts. No, okay, I've got my um, oh, I've got my shows oh. confused. Yeah. Um, so her that name was, is um Mar- Mary Jo, Allison Sugarbaker, Jane Smart. Okay. Was Jane Smart not on on Designing Women? <laughs> she doesn't come up in a search. <laughs> she was. But- she was from 86 to 93. Okay. I'm like, thank goodness. I'm not oh, crazy. Yeah. 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 I wonder why she didn't come she, up in the original search. 
She's 70, okay? Is she? 70 years old. Actually, in September, she'll be 72. Looks amazing. Does not look like she's had any work done, if she has had any work done. Yeah, I mean, she played Charlene Frazier. That's who, I, that's who I was talking about. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was like, wait, like, oh, she was on there. Jean is, so on hacks, but anyways, back to the whole flip phone. Her, she hires this writer. She's like an up, upcoming, like, comedian yeah. gal. Um, Ava is her name on the show. I don't know her name in real life. She's not anybody that I'm familiar with, but she actually um, got kind of, like, in trouble by texting with her, you know, her smartphone. And so she, like, got a dumb phone. You know, she's like, right. I need a dumb phone so I can't get in trouble. You know? I mean, it sounds so, so silly. Because she didn't want to be able to text. It sounds so silly, but I mean, on it, you, it's. Have we come too far with Listen, technology? I will, have we? No, I will never give up my smartphone. It is like, it, it is really kind of sad sometimes how attached I am to it. I left home. I don't know. This is maybe a couple of months ago. I left home without my phone, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Oh my gosh, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? You know, I'm looking all around. Total panic. Well, like, Total panic. Fall- yeah. Yeah. Has it fallen down in between mm-hmm. the, you know, the seat and the, the console? And I'm like, oh, I have to go back. Like, yeah. I-, I-, I can't, like, actually, we were going to the gym and I do use my phone for streaming music. Right. And just like, well, can, like, do we need to go back for it? I'm like, uh, yeah, we need to go back for it. I mean, like, being without my phone would be like taking my right hand away. Right. Right. I mean, that's, that's just Do you think you could go without your phone? Well. uh, I mean, for any length of time. For any length of time, probably, probably not. But here's the thing is we, we talked a little bit about this, um, recording last week and I'm not sure what episode it's going to air with, but just about my journey with Facebook. And I will tell you that since, by the way, I'm back, you guys. (laughs) <laughs> but she's back. I am back, back and I'm trying very, very hard to just stay in the mindset that God removes things that don't serve us anymore and that the comeback is always better than the setback. So exactly. um so I'm back. It's a brand new profile. I did lose all of uh my my groups and my writers page and, and Arrow Tribe and all of that, but um, I've got a new writer's page. It's called Alicia Unfiltered. You guys can find that if you want to follow that. But I will be I've back found it. in the groups um, communicating and interacting with everybody. So I'm super excited about that. Anyway, the point I was making, let's circle back, is that not having Facebook, um, first of all, that was where I spent the majority of my time on my smartphone was um not just socializing and scrolling and, you know, being in everybody's business, because let's face it, that's what we do. Um, but, you know, we, I have used social media as a networking and business building tool for mm-hmm. over a decade. And what I will say is that not having that one specific app, I spent only about 20% of the time that I was spending on my phone before not having it. So, yeah. But I mean, Facebook is just, I I know a lot of people have a love-hate relationship with it. I know it's caused a lot of like mental health challenges for people Mm -hmm. with the comparison um, trap. I don't use it that way. I love um, like connecting with other people. And 
if I ever do find myself starting to make comparisons, mm-hmm. you know, I just have to remind myself that, you know, often very often people present a very curated image on their social media. And so it's probably not real life. And so I just get over it. And I, it's funny, Alicia and I have this conversation that when, you know, I was that way kind of with IG, with Instagram. I was like, ugh, it's just so curated. And it's just such, you know, everybody's yeah. quilt has to be so pretty and like the same color scheme. And my old like um, bio said like, um, no fancy quilt here. This is real life um, because, yeah, you know, I'm like, I don't edit my pictures. I don't put like really pretty filters that all match. You know, it's like if you look at my oh, for sure, I, I don't have time for that. It's I, I just no. don't. I mean, every now and then I'll open Snapchat and I'm like, oh, this is good lighting. I look good with this filter. It's cute. I'm going to post a photo. But the majority of what you see on any of my profiles, although I will tell you that I've again the Facebook experience I've minimized a lot of I just discovered in my one month of not having Facebook because it was exactly 30 days um, that I mean I didn't really get too deep into the comparison trap I, it, it happens because we're human it's natural I mean, of course, but, yeah. but what I noticed is that I, I used to really feel like oh my gosh um, and this is this is even somewhat well, it's not somewhat, it's 100% egotistical, but like people need me, people need those groups, people, you know, and Mm -hmm. I I think to some degree that is true, but when you have to remove yourself from an equation, um, you know, sometimes not by choice, you know, nobody's going to die if you're not, (laughs) if you're not on social. (laughs) Well, everyone is, everyone is replaceable. I mean, like in, in, I remind my husband that sometimes, just in his own, you know, in his job, work, and like, yeah, he feels all this like pressure, and this, yeah. and I'm like, listen, the world is going to keep turning, even if you don't, you know, if you were to disappear, they're going to replace you at some point. I mean, right, the now, cogs are going to our family, of course, of course, but you know? yeah, the the cogs are going to keep turning, and the company yeah. is going to keep right on rolling into, you know, the next day, the next week, the next month, and. Sure, it, 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 you know, you might hit a speed bump in trying to find a replacement because your husband's a genius and he's awesome. But, you know, the, po- the, the point is that, yeah, it, the world's not going to stop spinning because you remove yourself from any equation. So um, when it comes to, like, work, social, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, though, to look back at that. Um, like my screen time reports and... Yeah. Just to really kind of reflect on that um, over the last month and, and kind of have to come to terms with like, oh, wow, I really was spending an enormous amount of time, you know, curating content, not in the way so that it looks like I have a perfect life because everybody knows I don't. But, um, right. uh, but just in curating relationships, because that has been something that's really important to me and it really has been devastating to lose over a decade of of that curating those relationships well bringing it back to the podcast when we're planning for guests and i'm like hey remember you said you have this person and you're like oh yeah but um and now i can't reach out to them because i don't have any other social media right yeah i've always been able to count on like even if i don't have your phone number 
hey, I can reach out in, in Messenger and just say, hey, can you send me your phone number? I really want to talk to you about something. Right. And right. I've lost, you know, 10,000 plus contacts now because. Yeah. Which you guys need to be on the lookout for. Um, we are going to be having a website soon. Yes. So we're working on a website. We'll and go ahead. And we're going to do, you yeah. guys, we're going to do a hangout. We're going to do a hangout. We're going to yes. um, set up a time, yes. have some cocktails, do a little happy hour where you guys can actually see us and interact with us live. We'll uh, we'll get back to you about the date, but I'm pretty sure we're going to do it late July, early Well, August. we're going to heavily promote it on our social, yeah. our personal, and the Midlife State of Mind podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us at midlifestateofmindpodcast at gmail.com. Um, but... Yeah, and, and the majority what talk going back to the whole France listener, the, our French our French listener, I should say, because we have some listeners in Russia. You know, we have New some Zealand. all over. <laughs> yeah, it's like been kind of fun because we're like, hey, <laughs> but um, we most of our listeners are in Georgia. So um, Alicia lives in Savannah. I'm from Savannah, so the natural place for us to do it is in Savannah. We do most of our recordings in Savannah. Um, because what our ultimate um, kind of like goal or um, dream or and it's going to become a reality is what we're going to eventually turn this into is after we start building a community of midlife state of mind listeners is to host a retreat um, yes. twice a year and you'll be hearing about that you, you know we'll definitely be talking about that a lot in upcoming episodes and um, on our website, once we have that, you'll be able to go there and we will, you know, ask you to like subscribe to our little, you know, newsletter. And um, that way we can stay in touch with you in case the Facebook. Um, in case Zuckerberg decides the, to the, jerk the rug out from not under us decide again, like, hey, we're going to, yeah. you know, we, so. we, we don't want to lose touch with our um, our listeners. And, you know, so. Before Katie, Katie will be calling in here in just a minute, I wanted to um, just tell a little bit about how um, she and I connected. Yes. We connected in real life. Um, she and I actually, um, the very first yoga class I ever taught at one of the studios, I was a yoga teacher already, but it was the very first class she came to. And, um, and then she actually did a yoga teacher training at that studio. And she... Um, you know, and I just, you know, hit it off. We've always kind of stayed in touch. And when we were thinking about this whole season of caring for your body over 40, um, just at any age, really, but especially, you know, as we get um, kind of at that age where, you know, you can't out-exercise a bad diet or you right. start having little health things come up, um, she immediately came to mind. Yeah. Um, so she's calling now. I'm going to, um, I'm going to, that's her. Katie. Hey, Erin. Hello, hey. Katie. Hi, Katie. Alicia, this is Katie. Katie, this is Alicia. <laughs> hi, Alicia. Great to meet you. Hi, hi. You too. Thanks for making this work. I felt so bad. We were out camping on, I was like, oh, this will be fine. Carson was like, oh, we have service. And then we got there and I was like, oh, shoot, we don't have service. And then we tried to drive, drive to like Grand Lake, which is near Rocky Mountain National. It only got She was holding her phone up in the air like, <laughs> you hear me we now? Were... Can you we were literally like as we were talking about it because we were recording some other episodes and like well, I could see you like climbing a mountain getting out of the car being like okay I got two bars I got two bars like trying to figure it out so it's all right I mean life happens that's the way it goes we're just glad Absolutely. to have you today well 
Well, thanks for making well, I was just I was just telling Alicia and our listeners about how we met, how you came to the very first yoga class that I taught at mm-hmm. Sacred Garden, and then you you went through the, that te- that very first teacher training. At the yeah. time, I believe you were still working for Kind. So yeah. she worked, if anybody's ever had Kind bars, and actually another little interesting kind of connection between Katie and I is when she, um, I actually was the health and wellness um, PTA chair at my kids, you know, middle school and um, in elementary school. I think it's awesome we your do, kids' school had that. <laughs> yeah, well, we made it. I, I, myself and another friend of mine, we created this. It was not a thing. And we did a um, healthy living week and yeah. we had this whole kind of like plan. And then they would like, everybody would stay after school that wanted to sign up. It was free for the kids. And we had all these activities. We related it to cars. We would call them like mechanics and they would look under the hood to see what was in food. And Katie um, actually um, gave, we had a local um, health food store here in Kennesaw when Katie still lived here. And so they donated all of the um, the kind granola bars to us um, so that we could have snacks for the kids. And Katie was the one that gave them to the, um, you know, to the health food store. So, and then, so you were working for kind, right? How long did you work for them? So I worked for them for, I guess it was about four years. Because um, I always worked for kind right out of college. And then from there, I, we moved, um, actually I moved with kind to Colorado and I stayed with them for another year. But then at that point, they were about to get partially acquired by um, M&M Mars. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I was going to go from like a couple days a week to like I was going to be gone a lot, like Monday through Friday, you know, maybe even more. So I was like, I don't know. This isn't really, you right. know, I think this is pushing beyond what I wanted to do. So then I went to work for Justin's um, Peanut Butter yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, in Boulder. And they're more known now really for their peanut butter cups, I think, than their, their actual on <laughs> And their actual... Because yeah, they're delicious. Yeah. They're delicious. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. So then I worked there. And then actually in that time frame, Erin, you know my mom, Sandy. She, yeah. Um, she's a nutritionist as well. And she was like, you know, when you guys eventually want to have kids, like this whole sales life, you know, in the natural food space isn't really going to be the best long-term play because you have to travel, you're on the right. move. And so- right, right okay, you're right. So I, I kind of thought that I wanted to lean into the nutrition space. So I actually, while I was working, um, pursued my master's in um, holistic nutrition. So, um, so I started that at Justin's and then I thought I was going to just kind of accelerate the program and, and be out of the industry of the natural food space and be a nutritionist. But I got, ended up getting one more opportunity that I wanted to pursue that was with my boss from kind. And that was with a company called rebel, which, um, they, they're sold at Whole Foods. They make adaptogenic, um, like, coconut milk-based protein beverages. Yeah, I've seen so, those. Yeah. So they're really – they're super tasty. So I stayed there for about two years, and then we got pregnant, actually, with Coulter, my little one. And so then I was like, okay, you know what? This is – I think this is my answer. So I had graduated school, and so I was ready to kind of start seeing clients one-on-one. So that's a little bit more of, of my background. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your history with – teaching the food as medicine philosophy because your website kind of pushes a lot of information about like nutrient dense nutrient dense food food is fuel um talk about that a little bit like how did you is that what your master's degree is in what tell us a little bit about that yeah so you know I think this kind of lends itself you know into my background working predominantly with you know natural food and in the industry and learning a lot more about food sourcing and where our food comes from and really like soil density, you know, I, we, I've had the opportunity to really work alongside a lot of different 
um, farmers and producers and suppliers and, you know, have seen firsthand how our soil is so depleted from years of just overcropping, spraying, you know, pesticides, all the things. And so, um, so with that, I've also seen the additives that go into food and how our FDA responds, you know, when like I've been on the other side where we try to push products um, and get them approved to the FDA or we try to get something approved as USDA organic. I've seen what actually goes into that on that side. So I think that's really lended itself into the nutrition side for me as a practitioner because my background really, you know, and it's kind of funky because any kind of nutrition, you know, there's really two paths in the U.S. And the most common one is to be a registered dietitian, um, which that gives you the opportunity okay. to work inside hospitals and schools and things of that nature. Now, and it's kind of state by state, um, this holistic functional side is becoming more prevalent. And so that was kind of the way I wanted to go, just because I don't really agree with the philosophy that the FDA pushes on registered dietitians. That's not to say you couldn't go that route and certainly still teach kind of the functional holistic side. But for me personally, I felt like if I was going to subscribe to like a two to three year program, I wanted it to be something that I felt like I really believed in. So the program itself was really just focused on holistic and functional nutrition. Um, and you, when you graduate, you have your master's and then the ability to sit for a, a board certification through the, um, uh, the NAMP, which essentially approves you to see clients. Um, so again, is that kind of like, is that kind of like getting like a real estate license or uh, accepting the yeah, yeah, it's definitely, yes, you have to take a, it's a proctor-based, you know, because I actually, when I graduated college, I actually got my um, insurance license, because that was kind of the path I thought I was going to go, so, um, yeah, so it's very similar to that, you know, like a real estate insurance, you know, board certification, the only caveat with it, because it is state by state, so like in Colorado, for instance, you can get, um, you can get approved, essentially, because Colorado, it's very, very progressive, so, as they really, you know, if you're an herbalist or a nutritionist, they really do certify you in that. So the state has a lot of great regulations. Now, like the southeastern states, like Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, are a little harder to practice in. They kind of see it as these. They want the, cl- the clinical, like, they want the yep. dietitian, like, the clinical, like, path, essentially. Exactly. exactly, yeah. So you kind of have to work alongside that. We're actually moving to Tennessee um, in the coming months. So I've been going through this myself where I'm like, okay, I'm trying to figure out all these regulatory boards. And it's kind of like, Aaron, probably you would, I mean, it's kind of like yoga, you know, was. Right. Like it just took a while to kind of get this momentum. And so it's happening. Like I have a lawyer that I work with and he was like, Katie, honestly, I think Tennessee is going to move in that direction, you know? So you kind of can just work with the time that, you know, people are looking for real answers and more support. And I think, as practitioners, I think it's kind of fun to be on the front end of this rather than, you know, I'm not opposed to going the registered dietitian route if I have to, but I think it's more fun for me to do all these additional courses and certifications that are more functional and holistic rather than spend my time, you know, doing that per se. Um, right, and you're, you can pave the way too for like yeah. what, you know, maybe even policy for like if you, you know, help change policy in Tennessee, um, right. you know. Exactly. So, well, um, well, I have a question for you. Um, yeah. So thinking in regards to women over 40, do you, what are specific concerns for women over 40 in regards um, to what they eat um, for health and wellness, not with like food restriction, which is like, we, we did an episode um, that launched, that released um, Wednesday, our last yeah. episode. And um, we talked about that the diet industry is a $77 billion industry with a 95% failure rate, which like mm-hmm. floored me. I was telling my husband about it at dinner. 
when I was like, you know, what other industry could have a success rate of 5% and still be in business? Right. None. And so, like, if you're thinking about women over 40, mm-hmm. um, like, what would you say are, like, really specific concerns that you would have for them, like, as far as, you know, um, functional, um, you know, what they're holistic nutrition? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. And I think this is one of the reasons that I've been most passionate about postpartum care, you know, for women. I know Erin mm-hmm. Weaver connected. You're like, I know you work a lot with this range. Do you work a lot with, you know, women over 40, you know, pushing into kind of the postmenopausal side. And, you know, it's um, it's pretty interesting because I think a lot of, in my experience, now granted I've been seeing clients for, you know, two years and really learning a lot and, you know, working one-on-one, but I've seen a lot stems from having kids that there's not, and I, this is a really, for sure. I think I, where there's more care in, for the postpartum mom. And I'm sure, like, even my mom said, she's like, when I had a baby, it was like, you're back to work in, like, four weeks, you know? You're, like, you know, you're just expected to kind of go, go, go and get back yeah. to normal life where, you know, now I think I'm fortunate and, you know, I'm happy to see in my generation it seems that there's more care and, you know, more maternal support. But, um, but with that, you know, I'm seeing how often, you know, women are run ragged. You know, they're heading back to work early. You know, they're not sleeping you know, they're not able to eat enough. They're not nourishing themselves, like coming back to those nutrient-dense food sources. They're, therefore, they're depleted. So, you know, I'm seeing that the depletion starts then. So it's, you know, baby number one, baby number two, baby number three. And oh, then, I would agree with that 100%. You you get into yeah. the routine of taking care of your kids, your husband, your you mm-hmm. know, and then... And you want to make foods that your kids will eat. And granted, like, I realize there are moms out there that make all their own baby food and introduce foods right. early and are really, like, they're killing it in that game. But the right. majority of us have, you know, lives and jobs and, you know, jobs and it's, and, yeah. it's really yeah, hard. The lion's share always falls on us. Yeah. And so women. it's really I mean, hard to maintain, you know, j- just even the idea of buying nutrient-dense food that children will eat. Yes. And I, I think that's one of the biggest things. And, you know, even, you know, myself having just a little guy now, I find how often, you know, I'll make him lunch and then I'm just eating like his lunch leftovers, you know, because we're going, we're on the, you know, so I'm even guilty of it. But I see a lot, you know, in the women that I work with, because um, I do see quite a few clients over 40, both pre and post menopausal. And I would say a lot of the biggest thing I see is usually sleep disorders, um, endocrine, you know, disruption, whether that's thyroid imbalance. Um, things that we're seeing, you know, hormonal symptoms, um, you know, premenopausal symptoms kind of exacerbated. So things that maybe even beyond, you know, what we typically see in a premenopausal case, um, you know, so there can be a lot of things that just start to come up. Uh, other things can be histamine intolerance. Histamine is kind of becoming more mm-hmm. of a popular and prevalent thing, um, mainly because, you know, it's, it, it can be like stress related, it can be autoimmune and, you know, autoimmune diseases are also very, very common, you know, years of stress and and um, hormonal imbalances can actually bring about autoimmune disorders, you know, kind of in our 40s and, you know, into the rest of our lives. So there's a lot of those things that I, and I, I think me just working with women, I have, you know, it's funny, I think like right now I have 30 clients and two of them are men. So it's when I usually say like, okay, I'm pretty much working with women, you know, most, it's, I'm really passionate about kind of seeing the life cycle of, um, you know, when those, I'm trying to break the patterns, you know, of when those things start yeah. to happen, which postpartum I've really seen is kind of the, the initial phase and then you know then it kind of starts getting into the 40s and we start seeing more 
hormonal, you know, disruption primarily. So a, fr- a friend, a good friend of mine has a, the, the histamine intolerance and it took her mm-hmm. ju- just talking about things that like appear late in life. I, I don't think that she had any issues with it when she was younger. And I just remember mm-hmm. watching her, um, you know, on, especially on social, just go through the journey of getting that diagnosis and how difficult it was for her. So speaking mm-hmm. of that, um, in your opinion, how much does food contribute to making us sick and more importantly to helping us stay well? Oh gosh. I mean, I think it's, it's unbelievable, you know, and, and that's kind of, I think one thing I was going to touch on earlier as a practitioner, I have kind of learned, I don't really like to over supplement my clients. You know, I think, I think there's so many functional practitioners and MDs out there and nutritionists that are just like, okay, take this pill for this and do this. And, you know, we'll kind of rely on the supplements to do the job. But in my experience, that doesn't really always work. So you really need to look at the side um, of food. And I think seeing my background in, you know, this industry, you know, for a period of time, Justin's was actually acquired by Hormel. So I spent some time actually working with Hormel, which you know, I, they're great people, you know. I it don't seems really... so opposite, though. Like, just thinking about what Hormel produces and then an all-natural <laughs> peanut butter, it just seems like, that just yeah. seems so counterintuitive. I know. It's really fascinating what happens in this space because a lot of the big conglomerates, you know, these huge companies, they end up wanting to invest in a more plant-based, you know, healthy alternative. So they lean into a lot of these natural companies. And, yeah, it was definitely an interesting merge, to say the least. But um, But it was really interesting. It was hard for me to to do this because philosophically, you know, I don't really agree with Hormel's practices, and, right. but it did teach me a lot, you know, and I kind of saw, you know, mass production, you know, at its, at its finest, you know, and kind of how we got to this point of, you know, canning goods and, you know, having, um, you know, you know, practices that were kind of trying to push products faster. But, you know, and I think that's when we look back, you know, I think as a society, we got to the point that, you know, I think we were trying to crank out food as fast as we can. We were trying to get food in front of families faster with TV dinners, and, right? you know, that nature and so I think as a society we kind of lost sense of like where does our food come from like do you know your farmer do you know your ranchers where do you get your milk where do you get your eggs and that's really an important piece of nutrition and I think a really big piece of the puzzle when you see all these things popping up you know like your friend's histamine intolerance you know like you know cancer things of that nature I think a lot of it's stemming from our food supply and the fact that we really have lost sense of of what keeps us well so I think it's you know, I always preach to my clients, I'm like, you know, try to go to your farmer's market, you know, get to know their story, you know, eat local as much as possible. Definitely. Yeah. And try to find family farms that have had the farm for, you know, 30, 50 years. So, you know, the soil's good. You know, that's the biggest thing is we're really seeing the soil density is, um, and the microbiology of our soil is really, really depleted. So, you know, those are things I like to really focus on with women specifically is how do we get minerals back in our body, you know, and sometimes we do have to do that supplementally because there aren't enough always access to food, but, you know, things like beef liver, oysters, you know, Brazil nuts, um, there's a couple of different supplements like trace minerals, you can get some minerals back in your body, bone broth is really nourishing, um, so there's just a lot of cool ways that you can really utilize food as medicine because I 100% believe food is the root of our a lot of our issues. And, of course, there's environmental factors, which I could go on about for days as well. But I do think <laughs> a huge piece of it. Yeah. Well, you, you did mention about endocrine disruptors and, um, like, hormone dysregulation. And so, like, like in your opinion, like, how, how does the food impact 
the foods that we eat impact those two. I mean, I know they're kind of um, related to endocrine, you know, and hormone, you know, the endocrine system basically is your hormone system, you know, right? It's responsible for all the chemical hormones in your body. So, like, what impact do you think food has on on your endocrine system? Yeah, I think, you know, taking it kind of back a step further, like outside of food alone, like if we look at packaging, for instance, you know, this is something as a, as a society, you know, there's this whole movement now that's really pushing, you know, like eat like your grandparents and ancestors ate. You know, everything was delivered in glass. You know, when you got your milk, it was in glass. Mm-hmm. Nothing, just packaging. Nothing was surrounded in plastic. You know, so I think that's one thing, one big call out that I've noticed is like, as a society, we are just susceptible to plastic everywhere. Plastic. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I try to be really mindful of it. You know, I, I still have like family members, my dad's family that isn't super health conscious, you know, will still, you know, go and microwave plastic, you know, from like maybe their Chinese restaurant. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this is like leaking into your food, you know, right. it, it couldn't be, you know, any more, you know, carcinogenic really. So I think that's a really big player. Um, it's in so even, even the stuff that the packaging that our food comes in, even yeah. if the food is wholesome, maybe, but it's in a BTA container or you know um, something that is leaching into the food and then we're consuming it yeah even if you're not heating it or reheating it it's still something that we should be more conscious of is that what you're saying yeah well and the other piece is is like how much how how often are things in transit so like those apples that you get at costco you know those have been shipped from who knows where you know and it's hot all over the country so if they're not Mm -hmm. trucks which you know aren't they aren't always on you're going to be exposed to that even before it makes it to your table. So, um, you know, that's the big thing with like water bottles. So try to, you know, be mindful and have your own water bottle. Um, Those are really big pieces, you know, food, um, you know, as well is obviously a a big piece, you know, when it comes to, I think lack of minerals can play into um, hormonal dysregulation and um, endocrine disruption as well. So eating foods like shellfish is one that's amazing for the thyroid. Um, it's really wonderful at kind of giving the body a lot of selenium and iodine. That's iodine, yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, so it's really interesting if you can really play into your specific need and work with a practitioner. It's really incredible what food can do. And, you know, I think just being mindful of the things that we're exposed to. I mean, I was just reading an article the other day that even like our receipts, you know, if you get a receipt from the store, that line what's on it is BPA. So. Uh, you know what's so funny is my 19-year-old just told me, because um, I, I like everywhere I go, I get the receipt, like for gas. I use my debit card, and, and my husband's like, why are you still keeping receipts? But Hayden, <laughs> my 19-year-old, said, Mom, receipts are like um, carcinogenic or whatever. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, yes, the paper. And I was like, what, you mean the ink? And he's like, no, it's not ink. It's the paper that they use heat to imprint the you know, yeah, and he's like, and it, then it releases the, it releases the chemicals or whatever. And then you touch it yeah. with your hands. And then, but I was like, oh my gosh. And I'm the one who my kids used to com- like complain that I was turning them, you know, I, they called me a healthitarian, you know? <laughs> um, and so, because I've always been very, you know, at, I think, Katie, you know, and our listeners, I've talked about it before at age 30, yep. which is 22 years ago, I was diagnosed with MS and I got really on board with doing research and reading everything I could about, you know, mm-hmm. food and the, and just, you know, and 
Just taking control of yourself, taking control of your health, yourself and your health. And I didn't know about the receipt. So that's the second time um, just in the last like week that, that I heard that. And I was like, what? Really? I'm like, nobody's talking about that. I've never heard that either. That's crazy. So, okay, go ahead. Hayden's keeping you going. Well, and that's the thing, Erin, I remember, you know, knowing you that, you know, for years now, really, I know you've been super mindful of your health and have taken a lot of action in your own hands, which is huge. So speaking of that, what's an easy change that anyone can make today to start utilizing food better, you you know, toward, toward the philosophy of using food as fuel and medicine? Like, what is an easy change? Is it the packaging? Is it the... Mm -hmm. Food choices, is it what what's something mm-hmm. that is really easy that everyone one can small do? change maybe yeah. Yeah. one <clears throat> one small change, this is what I tell my clients, you know, it's it's baby steps too. You know, same with like, you know, sometimes I'll have clients that are like, I want to remove all the toxins, you know, toxic products in my home. And it's like, okay, you're like, good luck. Yeah, yeah. and that it's <laughs> it's not realistic. We want we want tips and tricks, we want ideas that are sustainable and you know, exactly. going going 110% in any direction is not sustainable, so. No, it's not. And, you know, what I always say is, first of all, you know, the one tip I would say is try to be more mindful and encouraging yourself and your family to eat real whole foods. So try, to, okay. you know, I always tell my clients, shop the external area, you know, like if you're in Publix or Whole Foods or Kroger, you know, the external, like basically the, the perimeter. You know, the yeah. perimeter, yep. Yeah. Yet avoid, you know, going inside, you know, to the internal shelves where all the processed foods are, because that's when we're exposed to industrial oils like canola oil, seed oils, you know, excess processed sugar, um, gums, emulsifiers, you know, things that can be a really big problem. So I just always encourage people try to eat things that you can pronounce and you know, you know, that your, you know, your plate should be, you know, a protein option, you know, a vegetable or two, and maybe like a starchy carb, you know, of some sort that's, you know, still kind of, you know, good for the diet, you know, whether that is like a sweet potato or something of that nature. So that's to me, I think if we as a culture could really eliminate a lot of our processed food usage, you would cut down on plastic, you know, waste, you'd cut down on um, exposure to those kind of rancid conventional oils, and you'd, we'd be healthier as a whole, really. Yeah, I well, agree. you know, that's interesting. That's one of the things when I did, um, when I was initially diagnosed is like, any processed or boxed, you know, thing basically I try to stay away from. Yeah, I try to eat as close to the ground as I can, you know, as close to like as least processed as I can. I mean, I can't always do that because I do like a potato chip every now and then. Yeah. But I try to I try to make a better choice of a potato chip. Um yeah. than, you know, like I won't, you know, I'll try to buy like a vegetable you know, chips chip or a little bit maybe healthier that doesn't you know that's just potato chips and salt or something you know right. and not a bunch of like dyes or funky flavors or what have you right and that's why i always encourage my clients is you know what it's it's all about and this is the big i think data point with diet culture is i think what happens is people get thrown into it and they're like it's all or nothing and they burn out burnout's really fast but if you create a lifestyle for yourself, like you're saying, Erin, it's all about, like, I always say, like, 85 to 90% compliance is all you need to get. So if you want, like, a day where you're like, I'm going to have those potato chips, or I'm going to go have this, like, burger here or there, you know, you need to live your life, too. And that's what creates habits that are consistent rather than the diet culture. So it's important to, you know, have those times where you're kind of 
do live a little, you know, and that's important too. That's a great takeaway. That right there is a great takeaway is that you don't have to be 100% all the time. And I think, I mean, like we, we talked about on the diet culture, you know, episode, just if it's a 5% success rate. And I think that is exactly why it's because, you know, you, mm-hmm. you start a program, whatever the program is, you could name, we could all name 100 programs, and it doesn't matter what the program is. It's just that mm-hmm. the first time that you fall off the wagon or you have an imperfect day or you eat a really, mm-hmm. you know, a meal that <laughs> really just is not on the program, you know, you think, <laughs> okay, I've failed. And that's really right. not accurate. Like, you know, at, like you said, an 80 to 85%, you know, success rate is success. I mean, that is success. Even a, even a 60 or 70% success rate is better yeah. than zero. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Well, um, Katie, tell us where people can find you. I know where to find you, but we're going <laughs> to let you tell. Because I follow her all the time, and she does the most amazing reels and social media posts so um so where can our listeners find you yeah thanks it's definitely um instagram is like it's a labor of love but but i'm glad (laughs) these reels take forever to figure out but um yeah so i can be found on instagram my tag is um, or my handle is live wild be well um that's probably where i post my content and then i also have a a website as well which is um, just livewildbewell.com so those are probably the best um, places, but there's lots of resources and blog posts and things that, um, you know, can be shared. And then, and then also I work one-on-one with clients and have some group coaching programs as well. Yes. So if they go to e- either place, your website or your Instagram, they yes. can message you. Because I've been to your website. It's beautiful. And it's yes. like, work with Katie, you know, and you can, like, click the little button. And um, and so, you know, I definitely think that um, any any – it, obviously, it could be a male, but um, we are mainly, you know, appealing to women listeners. Right. That you can work with people that are remotely. You don't have to live in Colorado to work with Katie. Yeah, I know. That's the crazy thing. It's it's funny. Like, when I first started out, I feel like most of my clients were here. And then as time's gone on, I think the bulk of my clients, they're, you know, all over the world now. So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, amazing. Work. Yeah. Yeah really cool to be able to reach and that's the great thing about your platform too you know it's just really neat to be able to reach so many women and provide resources yeah I mean you're you're in Colorado uh Erin is in Kennesaw and I'm in Savannah and here we are having a conversation that technology is amazing I know it makes it everything possible which is nice all right well thank you so much Katie for joining us today um this Uh, you're actually going to be the last episode in our health over 40 um series and I I'm so glad that we ended on this episode I think it's uh you you just have got a lot of great takeaway information and um yeah listeners seek her out she is pretty incredible (laughs) yeah yeah thank you for having me this was so fun yeah it's such an honor to be featured on here. So I can't wait to listen. Yeah. All right. Well, and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. We hope that you got some value out of this episode um, and that you can, you know, at least the takeaway of just making one small change um, can have a big impact. You don't have to like be a hundred percent. That's right. That's right. And of course we want to hear from you guys. Um, what was your favorite part about today's episode? You can find us at midlife state of mind podcast on all social platforms, Facebook, Instagram. You can email us at midlife state of mind podcast at gmail.com. And uh, thank you so much. We'll, well see thank you, next you time. everyone. All right. Bye. Bye.